BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. Give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, this is Newt. Because of the coronavirus, I am currently staying at home in Rome, where my wife serves as the United States Ambassador to the Holy See. She's leading the embassy in dealing with all the different changes being brought about by the pandemic. To bring you this episode this week, I'm recording from my home, so you may notice a difference in audio quality. On this episode of Newt's World, part two of our series looking at the financial recovery of the United States amid the coronavirus pandemic, we'll discuss the lessons we can learn from Japan, South Korea, Singapore, Hong Kong and Taiwan, and their economic recovery post-coronavirus. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Ms. Yuki Tatsumi, Senior Fellow and Co-Director of the East Asia Program and Director of the Japan Program at the Stimson Center. Ms. Yuki Tatsumi is the Senior Fellow and Co-Director of the East Asia Program and director of the Japan program at the Stimson Center. I'm pleased to welcome her as my guest. Good morning, Mr. Speaker. Thank you again. It's an honor to speak with you. Can we talk first about what the Japanese response has been to COVID-19 and what's going on? Because there seems to be some controversy about whether the Japanese actually have done as remarkable a job as the statistical data implies. What is your take on that? That is a great question. I think it is the issue that Japanese are grappling with now, that until around March 2021, Japanese government seemed to have thought that they were pretty much successful in flattening the curve, if you will. But then ever since, they have seen the second spike in the number of people who have been tested positive for COVID-19. 
right now there has been a great debate within Japan about why this second spike happened. Is that because perhaps government might have artificially suppressed the test case low because of there are a couple of major diplomatic events that the Japanese government were supposed to be hosting. One was the Chinese President Xi's state visit in April. And the other one, of course, as we all know now that it's been postponed, is the Summer Olympic Games in July. Some people have pointed out that these test cases began to show that second spike right after the formal announcement that comes from the IOC and Japanese government about the postponement of the Olympics. But by and large, I think there is a great sense of uncertainty amongst the Japanese people, and particularly for the residents in the metropolitan Tokyo area, because that particular area is a little bit smaller area than the New York City, where we're having an epicenter of the coronavirus in the United States, and that, in fact, it has more people. And the population density is just about the same. So... Many people are particularly worried about what they may see over the next week to two weeks in the Tokyo metropolitan area. Well, and you still have the heavily packed trains and the use of public transportation. I was there in Nagoya a couple months ago, and I was very impressed with how remarkable the train system is. But it is a lot of people. And so, in a way, it would be a challenge, I think, for the Japanese government to have the kind of restrictions that the Chinese can do with their totalitarian system. That's exactly right, Mr. Speaker. And then also, I think this coronavirus and how Japanese society and government has reacted or has not been able to react actually points to one of the area that Japan is playing a catch-up game compared to the United States, which is there is a work culture in Japan that work-at-home culture is not exactly prevalent yet. It's only limited to certain sectors like foreign companies, Japanese outlet or IT firms. Most traditional Japanese companies, they still expect their employees to report to work every day and also government offices. So I am hearing from my friends in Tokyo that those packed trains are now not as packed, but still very crowded during the rush hour. Of course, everybody's wearing face masks, but that's still adds to people's anxiety that in this great time of uncertainty, they're practically risking their health every day just by commuting. So that does add to the social anxiety. In all of the East Asia countries, I mean, Japan, depending on what happens in the next few weeks, but at least up till now, South Korea, where they initially had a very specific breakout in a megachurch that had actually been doing missionary work in Wuhan, and then Taiwan, Hong Kong, although there I think it's reoccurred partly because it's so easy to cross the border. And then Singapore, which seems to have done a pretty aggressive job. Do you have any sense whether these were countries that, because they had been shaken by H1N1 and by SARS, were more organized and more automatically aggressive in trying to contain a new virus? I think when it comes to South Korea and Taiwan and also Singapore, I would absolutely say uh, there have been prepared. That lessons of H1N1 really taught them that this pandemic can happen. Once it happens, it starts spreading fairly quickly. And with that population density that those places have, 
government really has to go aggressive intervention very early on. So in that context, how Taiwan has reacted and largely very successful in containing the spread of the virus across the country while preventing the panic among the people is really remarkable. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. I've always been a strong believer in the importance of investing wisely. That's why I've personally invested in Legacy Precious Metals. At Legacy Precious Metals, They're not leaving your financial future to chance. They're on a mission to help you secure your financial future post-retirement. In partnership with them, I'm thrilled to announce the launch of the Newt Gingrich contract with America Coin. This limited edition coin is made of one ounce of 99.99% fine silver, commemorating the historic moment when, against all odds, we balanced the budget for the last time in U.S. history. This coin isn't just an investment. It's a piece of our nation's history. And now you can own it. As the holiday season approaches, it's the perfect gift. You can purchase yours today by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Do you believe the Chinese numbers? I mean, the degree to which they claim that there are no new people getting the virus and that they've stopped it, it's a little hard to believe. But I'm just curious if you have any feeling about it. Well, Mr. Speaker, I really don't trust any official number that the uh, Chinese government puts out, frankly. And I have spoken to my 
China's color colleagues at my office too, and she also does not believe any numbers. And we both agree that those numbers is highly questionable because it largely leaves out the numbers of the people who actually died before there was any word about COVID-19 early on. And then also, I don't think Chinese government statistics includes uh, asymptomatic people who has not been tested. So therefore, there's no way of knowing whether those people have virus or not. So short answer is no, I do not believe that statistics. Can I ask you on a, on a totally different topic for a second? We're trying to think through how the U.S. comes out of this economically when we finally defeat the virus, which I think will happen by midsummer. Japan, when they had their bubble break and the real estate bubble break and the Nikkei break in 88-89, they had a very difficult time going through the level of transition needed to relaunch the economy. Do you think there are any lessons we should learn from what the Japanese government did in trying to adjust to reestablish growth? Because it seemed to me, as an outside observer, that they had a really hard time recreating a the kind of growth level you might have expected before 1988. One of the uh, lessons that the United States can learn from Japanese example is that Japan as a country had a hard time was to transition into a different economic model. That even after the uh, bubble bursted in the late 1980s, they continue to stick to their traditional model that they relied their economic growth on, which is basically export-based and network of firms have produced most of the corporate growth and not that much investment had been made into startups and encouraging entrepreneurships and competitiveness. So if there's any lessons to be learned, I think the United States need to check back against our desire to go back to something large and stable, because I think in the time of uncertainty like this, I think what we do need to see is to encourage those entrepreneurship. And of course, I'm no economist, so I'm not sure if the economists agree with my answer, but then observing what the challenges that Japanese had coming out of that recession. And in fact, I would still argue they quite haven't crawled out of that yet. And one of the yeah. great challenges for them is the uh, influidity of the uh, labor market that people just don't move from job to job. And that creates rigidity in the market and also labor force. So I think that's something that we should learn not to make those kind of mistakes. I'm talking to you from Rome where my wife is the ambassador to the Vatican and we're totally closed down. It's interesting because one of the challenges in Italy was, this is the second oldest country in the world after Japan. And so this particular virus early on was taking a devastating toll of older people. I would think from the standpoint of Japan, there's an additional reason to worry about COVID-19 because as the oldest country in the world, it has a very large population that is capable of being affected negatively by the virus. And it could lead to a much higher death rate if the virus ever truly got loose. Do you sense any particular concern about that? There is a particular concern about this cluster infection within the senior nursing homes. There's definitely that because Japan does have a number of those nursing homes and senior living for those high-risk groups. But I think by and large, so far, there are a couple of cases that popped up, 
but it's not still nationwide. Those kind of breakouts have been able to be contained within that nursing home without spreading out to the larger community. But again, we still don't know what happens in the uh, Tokyo metropolitan area. So depending on how that happens, of course, there are a number of senior high-risk group people living in Tokyo metropolitan area. Many of them live from home. Not everybody lives in nursing home. So that number could spike. But yes, there is a clear awareness that senior population is particularly vulnerable to this virus. Even if Japan was completely free of the virus, they could not have held the Olympics this year because they'd be inviting athletes from all over the planet. And you're almost bound to have people show up who are going to test positive. Yes, that was actually one of the larger concern that eventually led to Japanese government to decide to postpone for the full year. But also, this second spike in positive test results that I mentioned earlier, many people also have pointed to the fact that that was around the time that all the students who were studying abroad starts coming home because the fact that perhaps those people who are coming back from wherever they are might have brought the virus in, but they didn't know that. And it was before Japan starts to really rigorously started testing, re-entering Japanese at the airport. So many people could have gone home without knowing that they were the carrier or they were the asymptomatic. And as a result, around their community, the virus could have spread. So there definitely is that concern. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. I've always been a strong believer in the importance of investing wisely. That's why I've personally invested in Legacy Precious Metals. At Legacy Precious Metals, they're not leaving your financial future to chance. They're on a mission to help you secure your financial future post-retirement. In partnership with them, I'm thrilled to announce the launch of the Newt Gingrich contract with America Coin. This limited edition coin is made of one ounce of 99.99% fine silver, commemorating the historic moment when Against all odds, we balance the budget for the last time in U.S. history. This coin isn't just an investment. It's a piece of our nation's history. And now you can own it. As the holiday season approaches, 
It's the perfect gift. You can purchase yours today by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. We were in South Korea when this first started, and it was very interesting. They were just moving into wearing masks at the airport, but every hotel we went into, they had somebody at the front door who would check your temperature. Do you have any sense if they have that kind of intensity in Tokyo of trying to screen for potential carriers? Not as of today. But then many people have been pointing out that that's what the uh, government should have put in place even last month. And then quite frankly, I think South Korea, one of the successes that they have is because of those early aggressive measures. And in Taiwan also, I think it is a very similar situation where even if you're sick, you go to hospital. If you don't have your face mask on, they won't even let you into the hospital until you go to the pharmacy right next to the hospital and buy a mask. And then I think in Japan, hospitals have started to institute those protocols that they have the pharmacy right at the entrance area of the hospital that if you don't have a face mask, they politely ask you to go and purchase a mask and then put it on and come back in. And also, uh, there always is a hand sanitizer at the entrance of every building. And that was even before this coronavirus started, because Japan always have a seasonal outbreaks of flu. So they're particularly keen on those hand sanitizing throughout the year. So that's pretty much a part of the scenery in any Japanese office building or any public building. But especially now, I think hospitals are more aggressive into a face mask protocol. And I've noticed Taiwan has done an amazing job if the numbers are accurate. They have so few people who've shown up positive that it's sort of remarkable. I'm guessing that they must have really controlled people coming across the straits from China. It's one of the more amazing things about this whole cycle that we're in the middle of. Indeed. I mean, given the regular volume of people going back and forth, it is just remarkable. They did shut down the border between Taiwan and mainland very early on, I think as early as late January. And also they have taken a couple of the initial very aggressive measures of making sure that all the pharmacy has shipment of face masks, for example. And they are highly networked society and they have created this Google map based app where any resident can punch in their address and it pops up the uh, all the pharmacy that near them. And that shows the actual stocks of the face mask of each pharmacy so that people don't waste trips. And then they also establish another protocol where They also have the equivalent of our social security number, and they basically start rationing 
purchase of those face masks attaching to your own social security number. So you have to go in with your photo ID and there are only certain days of the week that any resident in Taiwan can get their face masks or hand sanitizers and they put the amount limit per customer so that they cannot hoard. So they really controlled the supply of those essentials from very, very early on. And I think that really contributed a great deal to the uh, containment of the virus. Listen, I really appreciate your taking the time. This has been really helpful. And I'm really grateful that you would take the time to chat with us. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. It was an honor to come on and chat with you. Thank you. Thank you to my guest, Ms. Yuki Tatsumi. You can read more about what we can learn from Japan, South Korea, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, and their economic recovery on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. Please email me with your comments at newt at newtsworld.com. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, Teddy Roosevelt was larger than life. He fought in the Spanish-American War, charging up San Juan Hill with his group of Rough Riders, He hunted buffalo in the Dakota Territory and explored the wilds of Africa and South America. He served as the 26th president of the United States at age 42, the youngest person in history. We'll look at his extraordinary life on the next episode. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. Listen to the first chapter of my new novel, Shakedown, available now at Gingrich360.com slash shakedown. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. 
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.